0: Welcome to the Good Cities podcast with news and information about city movements around the world. Brought to you by goodcities.net. In this episode, Reggie McNeil discusses working with schools. The number of partnerships between schools and faith groups has exploded over the past few years. Unfortunately, some have also imploded. Reggie details principles that should guide faith leaders as they pursue this important kingdom initiative.
1: This is Glenn Barth. Welcome to another podcast with Good Cities. I'm here with my friend and city coach, Reggie McNeil. Reggie, today we're going to be talking about how uh, churches and schools are interacting in a time when schools are looking for volunteers and they're excited about uh, the possibility, often an untapped possibility, of how churches might come alongside them to serve in the schools. So uh, tell us some keys about how would a pastor... Uh, begin to work with uh, a local church, I mean, a lo- excuse me, a local school leader in uh, coming into an opportunity to volunteer in the school.
0: Well, you're right, Glenn, that the door is swinging open uh, increasingly. This is a wider and wider door for churches to uh, overcome their assumption that, uh, you know, God's been thrown out of the schools or they can't work with schools, separation of church and state, and all that stuff. Schools are uh, in so much uh need and you know in this no teacher left standing culture we've got right now, they're so desperate for community engagement that they are increasingly open to uh, partnerships that include the faith community as well so i want to f- i want to direct my comments uh, as you have asked s- strictly to the church leaders faith commun- or faith group leaders who want to work with schools so they know how to do that so uh, they can see the results that they're after first thing is you want to put yourself in their shoes uh, you've got to remember that these school officials they're professionals uh, they're working um, 10 hours a day uh, or, or more uh in, uh in a very challenging environment and uh, when we ride in with the assumption that we have answers for them uh that we sh- we know how they should be doing literacy training or mentoring or whatever else it is that we're there to help with uh it's just always important to to realize i i think very few people in fact i had a, a a group that i'm working with down in florida when they got involved with the school i had a physician a retired physician tell me uh in our first feedback he said i had no idea what the classroom's like today he's remembering a classroom from uh, you know 60 years ago, yeah. 70 years ago, when he was in elementary school, uh, the world's a little different then. Their challenges that these folks are facing are enormous. So I say the first thing is, just, just don't ride in as uh, here, we're here to save the day, but put yourself in their shoes and realize even as you are telling their story, Uh, in order to recruit volunteers, say, out of your congregation or out of your community, um, you want to make sure that it doesn't come across as an indictment on the school system, which they would then be very defensive about, Um, even if you think that that's a rallying cry. In other words, work the language out with them. Ask them how to message the need to the community. The second thing I would say is, you know, uh, do what they ask. I mean, if we go in with the question, how can we help, which is the question I recommend, you know, say, keep practicing that in the mirror till you can say it without stumbling. How can we help? Uh, and then it, it, just be ready uh, to, to say, well, we can do that or we can't do that. I was talking with a priest in Dallas who had uh, recently gone to um, an Episcopal priest, uh, had, uh, was a new rector, Uh, to the the congregation there. He went to the closest elementary school, said to the principal, uh, I am the pastor down there of that Episcopal congregation, but I believe I'm the pastor of a neighborhood. I want to just be available. And so I know the school's critical, and I what could we do to help? And the principal said, well, let me get back to you on that. Kind of took her off guard a little bit. Uh, This was several years ago. And um, so he gets back writes her an email uh thank you for taking time to meet with me today i look forward to hearing back from you about what i can do she picks up the email she doesn't take him off the address line she forwards it to a colleague and says i just had a religious nut to come see me uh you know how uh what how can i get rid of him? basically and her colleague wrote back, again, the priest is reading this because he's in all these reply to all. (laughs) So I think people should pay attention before they hit the send button. Um, He says, well, give him a menial task. That'll that'll shake him. So sure enough, he goes back, she calls him back and she says, uh, well, what I need is a school crossing guard. He said, well, I'm your guy. I mean, now he would have done that anyway, but especially since he was privy to that conversation, he was ready to do whatever she said. Well, I don't know if you've ever been a school crossing guard. I haven't. But you have to get up before God gets up. you got to be down there. you got people coming through there, putting on makeup and drinking coffee on their cell phones and slowing down long enough for their kids to get I mean, it's kind of dangerous. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's a very busy uh, job, and it's not very glorious. But, you know, after three months, uh, he was in like Flint. I mean, when there was a, an apartment fire, one of the families got burned out, and the kids he was the first person she called uh when now every time a kid they understand that their families are falling apart there's divorce or or maybe the father's sent to prison or whatever these significant events that are happening in kids lives that impact what's going on in the school day he is their go-to person so um i'm, I'm pretty sure his willingness to be there at seven o'clock in the morning as a school crossing guard you know like the old post office and rain, sleet, or snow, whatever. So I'm saying, do what they ask. Be willing to do that. And, and and even though he could have said, well, I've got a congregation of 400 people here. We could do boom, 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 boom. Just do what they ask. Build the trust. Then you can move on into that. So
1: so as you look
0: at this, servanthood yes.
1: leads the way, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. I had another uh, congregation where uh the the elementary school principal says we need men on the playground at uh we've had 200 fights break out and we think if we had more male presence on the playground uh that would help so the uh, the pastor goes back to the the congregation where he's serving and he says we need some men uh, and, uh, this is in West Virginia. <laughs> we've got coal miners, we've got truck operators, we've got mechanics, we've got some pretty, pretty uh, manly men. <laughs> so sure enough, they go down there. some guys volunteer. The fights go to zero. They don't drop to two. They go to zero. <laughs> and, and it's kind it's kind of an interesting deal. Now, on top of that now, they're doing mentoring and tutoring and everything. But what they ask for, even if it doesn't quite make sense to us, their professionals in their environment, they have a sense for what they need, we ought to honor that. So just do what they ask. Do what they ask. And serve in that role. That's and, right.
1: And if you do it with integrity, yep. and you don't just begin to say, I could do so much more right, right away, but just say, I'm here to serve. Right. And, uh,
0: and, and just do what they ask. Over time, integrity wins the day. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to my third thing, don't overpromise. Because um, I can tell you that um, they've been burned by folks who've over promised and underdelivered. You want to be in exactly the opposite. You, you want to count the cost for when they ask this is what we need, be honest if you say, we can do that for six months or we can't do that at all. Is there something else? I mean, don't overpromise. It's critical. A fourth thing that I would say too, related to this, is understand their skepticism because they've had other groups really um, let them down in the past. Volunteers um, have you know other groups have promised. Maybe it's not your church. Maybe it's another church. Maybe it's another organization. They said they were going to do something and they didn't do it. So, kind of like the parable of Jesus, count mm-hmm. your cause before you go to war about this thing. Uh, so make sure you've got the resources and the commitment to do the long-haul business. Maybe it is just for a school year. Set the boundaries, though, so that you can deliver in a, that period of time, whatever you agree. Don't make a 25-year commitment if you're not ready to make a 25-year commitment. Make a commitment to a second-grade class if that's all you can do for you know the next four months, whatever it is. But understand their skepticism because they've they've been let down by too many volunteer organizations already.
1: So it could be a commitment for a service day that that the school might want, or it might be a commitment to a a six-week project that a classroom is doing. That's right. Or something like that. And it it may not be that you're asking every volunteer to sign up in their calendar for the next year of service. It might be short-term as well as some longer term, just depending on what the person is interested in doing from your congregation and also what the school is asking for.
0: I had one pastor who uh, is, to your point, uh, who had been a previous, in a previous life had been a teacher. Hmm. So he had an insight that toward the end of the school year, paper gets scarce. Now we don't think about stuff like this, but uh, so he challenged every one of his small groups and he had like a hundred of them, this is a big church, uh, to to uh, supply paper. So the guy at Staples calls him up, the local Staples, and says, what is going on with with all of your people coming in my store buying paper? And so the pastor explained it to him, said, well, we're, we're going to supply the school district with, a, and so the Staples guy said, I will match every purchase your people make. If it's a ream, if it's a case, and they raised two million pieces of paper for, <laughs> for that school system. You don't think that made a hit? I mean, that's epic. Well, I mean, I so. think
1: what's uh, what's important to hear here is that your generosity and willing to serve humbly and in straightforward ways, meeting the need that has been asked for right. by the school, right, encourages generosity know others in the community.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a great story in that uh, community. It's not a large community. It's not as big city. Uh, so the, the community i and just built a huge, uh, it was just a huge win for the whole community. Another thing I would say is uh, schools do have rules, and they have them for reasons, and respect them. Uh, go in with the idea not that, uh, well, as you've already said, as a servant, if they've got rules, respect them. Uh, For instance, um, it doesn't occur to most folks who volunteer for schools that you're putting extra work on the teacher. You think you're there to give them a break. But you see, teachers who plan out days and workloads and plans, they're having now to accommodate someone else who's coming into their world. And that's not always easy. And it's not always perceived as help right off the... So if they're saying, I can't have you when you're available... I I had a school superintendent who was reading and realized when his kid just was... By the third week, uh, his kid just wasn't into it. Then this school school superintendent now who's volunteering to read to second graders. I mean, that's a brilliant example of servanthood right there. But his kid wasn't getting it. Well, when he finally realized he was asking the kid, uh, it, it it was the P.E. time. So this this boy who needs to run, who needs to get rid of some energy, who needs to play, uh, you know, is being asked now. It felt like punishment uh, instead of help. Uh, there again, that school superintendent was smart and saying, well, look, my 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning slot wasn't the best time for the boy. Let me respect and follow, you know, the, the, the situation there. So he was able to make the adjustment and the kid's doing great. I would also say, as a sixth uh, suggestion, I would recruit volunteers in pairs. Now, that sounds initially like it's double work, but I'll tell you that, especially when we think about mentors and readers and people who are doing things on an ongoing basis, we think about retirees, people that have time on their hands. These retirees don't have time on their hands. They're busy. They're running to their grandkids. They're raising their grandkids. They're taking trips with whatever. But and and they may feel a little intimidated what do i have to do in fact i even tell folks i i would shy away from the word mentor most of the time because they only think of you know blind side of the movie and now they're going to have to take someone to raise uh so that's a little uh, off-putting to them so we use like readers or whatever else i mean if mentor works for you go go do it but my point is people sometimes are intimidated out of volunteering because they do like time. They think they don't have the resource. But if you say to Mary, Mary, can you, uh, would you recruit somebody, uh, a friend of yours, and the two of you agree to do something? Well, now what you've made possible is Mary, uh, when she's out of town, she's got Jane to cover for her. And they work this stuff out between themselves. And it's just more fun. Because they're doing something. I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Come on, let's go do it together. You know, that's just a fundamental uh, human response. So recruit in pairs. Uh, and by the way, here's an extra tip I would do that for Sunday school teachers, uh, I would do it for most volunteer positions inside the church.
1: Well, Reggie, what you just tapped into there is one of the three real motivational factors for church volunteers. Sure, we'd like to think as pastors that people want to act because of the theology that we're teaching them in the <laughs> discipleship. But, but to be honest about it, a lot of people love to volunteer. And this is one of the biggest uh, and most important motivating factors of church volunteerism
0: they like to be with their friends absolutely it's got to be fun that's right that's right (laughs) my my wife you know is an amazing woman incredible competencies enormous amount of skills but i can tell you you will not get those into play unless it's fun and and unless she can be with some other people that's just that that's just the way it is
1: well that's that's an important point and and it and it has a lot Bigger implications than just volunteering in school,
0: but it's a good place to bring that up. That is a very good place. A couple more things, real quick, on this uh, as we think about this. Just remember, relationship is key. Relationships. You're going to serve folks. You're going. But I'm telling you, the relationships you build with kids, with teachers, with school administrators, uh, with your co-volunteer. Uh, with the janitor uh, as you're on, on your way to the classroom, I mean, uh, with the school security officer that you're going to run into that's there, uh, the social worker, I just, relationships are key because you're building really bridges for all kinds of constructive and intentional conversations to help people uh, in their lives.
1: Well, this is something that's so core to our Christian belief uh, that... In the New Testament, we even begin to see this new relationship where inside the church, people are talked about as though they're parts of the family because that's yeah. how tight their friendships and relationships become. You know, just like pastors think about theology as something that we think would probably motivate people, you know, what they believe, in the school system, a lot of times they've fallen into the cultural trap of believing data will motivate people. Yeah. But ultimately, it's, it's what we know, but it's also who we know. Yep. And, and who we know actually trumps what we know.
0: Yeah, every time. Every time. And the final thing I would say just to folks that are listening to this and want to get involved with schools, don't give up. Um, maybe your first experience, uh, you go to a school and they say, no, we don't need your help. Well, don't give up. Then pray about, well, where's the next school that you want to do? Just don't give up because uh, I'm telling you, the need is enormous. And then in the end, you're gonna be more blessed than whatever blessing you uh, take into this partnership. Your own Christian growth, your own discipleship, the energy that's gonna come into your congregation from knowing that they're making an impact in people's lives and changing the trajectory of generations by helping children learn to read and, 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 and to engage in meaningful uh, growth patterns and, and helpful mm-hmm. growth patterns. That's the kind of stuff that's kingdom and kingdom brings life.
1: What an important piece of advice, don't give up. You know, uh, that piece of advice, Reggie, is critical to understanding that, you know, schools actually change leadership on a regular basis. Yep. And uh, especially schools where there's real trouble where there's high teacher turnover, there'll be a high principal turnover too. And if they reject you the first time around, come back the next year because there may be a new sheriff in town, a new leader that is who exactly may right. just who may throw the door open to you. That's so exactly right. Just uh, be ready to respond when the opportunity presents itself, and don't give up. Reggie, review those eight points again, real quick, if you can.
0: Well, put yourself in their shoes. Uh, do what they ask. Don't overpromise. Uh, understand their skepticism that they might have. Uh, Don't take it personally. Understand there are other groups that have been before you that have let them down, potentially. Respect and follow their rules. Recruit volunteers in pairs. Remember that relationship is the key. And above all, don't give up. Thanks, Reggie. This has been a
1: rich time, and uh, I know folks who are interested in this topic are going to love this podcast. Great. Thanks, Glenn.
0: Thanks for listening to the Good Cities podcast. We hope you'll subscribe and listen in on future episodes. To get more information about Good Cities, join our email list, or to find out how to get involved in making your city a good city, visit goodcities.net.